Hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back to another episode, and I am so excited about this episode because we are going to get to talk with Desiree Rogers, who is one of the co-owners and CEOs of what I'm going to say are arguably the most iconic skincare and makeup brands owned by Black women for Black women, Black Opal and Fashion Fair Cosmetics. And today we really focused on Fashion Fair Cosmetics because it has such an interesting and rich history. And I'm just like very proud to be able to share this story with you all and share the history of Fashion Fair Cosmetics, as well as just Desiree Rogers' story is incredible. Now, she and Cheryl Mayberry McKissick, purchased Fashion Fair Cosmetics back in 2017. And I'm just going to give you guys a little brief overview of Fashion Fair Cosmetics in case it's just like you're not familiar. Like I grew up knowing what Fashion Fair Cosmetics was, but I think a lot of people don't. So I just want to give you guys a brief history. So Fashion Fair was created in 1973 from Eunice Johnson, American businesswoman, I just iconic Black woman in American history. One of the things that they show in the documentary, The Beauty of Blackness, which is about Fashion Fair Cosmetics, is how she would go to the couture shows in Paris and be purchasing from the front row of these couture shows, which was at the time just like not something that you were seeing a lot of Black people or Black women do at all. So love that. So in 1973, she created the first international prestige cosmetics brand for women of color. Now, the Ebony Fashion Fair came first. It started in 1958, and it was this traveling fashion fair where models would strut down the runway in like the latest fashions. It was like a huge cultural event, a cultural moment. And of course, a lot of the models, the Black women on the runway were like struggling to find their exact shade, like they were struggling with makeup. Just again, to put in perspective how fabulous this show was, this fashion show, these models were wearing Oscar de la Renta, Yves Saint Laurent, Paco Rabanne, Givenchy, Jean-Paul Gaultier, Angaro. Like this was high end fashion, but the models, again, could not find their shade. So there was an opportunity. Johnson Publishing Company, which her husband owned, also owned Jet and ebony. So there was this kind of like built-in audience. And again, real opportunity to make cosmetics focused on women of color, focused on Black women. So when Fashion Fair launched in 1973, it was a real pioneer in developing foundations in a wide range of shades for women of color. And it was also the first to recognize and celebrate Black beauty from like a prestige cosmetics line. I was looking on Pinterest at like old Fashion Fair advertisements. Absolutely incredible. I'll actually post a few on Naked Beauty Planet. That's the Instagram account for this podcast because the glamour, I am obsessed with just the whole brand positioning and like the retro vintage glamour of it all. But again, one of the first brands to really recognize that Black was beautiful and that Black women deserved makeup products that were catered to them. For decades, white women were able to walk into a department store and shop the products that they knew would work for their skin tone. That is not a luxury that Black women in America had. So Fashion Fair not only broke racial barriers in business, but established a new standard of Black fashion, glamour, and beauty. And again, I will encourage you all to watch the documentary, The Beauty of Blackness on HBO, where you can learn about this whole history. But I'm really excited for you all to hear my conversation with Desiree today because Fashion Fair Cosmetics was relaunched in 2021. So it's been formulated with the new line of products, again, using very high quality natural ingredients. They use bamboo powder, they use vitamin C, turmeric, green tea extract. 
Everything is geared though towards melanin rich tones and specific skin type issues or specific undertone or pigment concerns that are unique to women of color. Now, Fashion Fair is a pillar in the African-American community, and it does a lot to support Black people in general. There is a Spelman scholarship. But one of the things that Desiree and I talk about is what does it mean to be a Black-owned company that's owned by two Black women and where the marketing team is Black and the people that shoot your videos are Black and the dermatologists and the chemists. And for every single part of the company, they are thinking about building wealth in the Black community, which again, I think is very powerful. Fashion Fair Cosmetics did relaunch with Sephora. So you can probably find Fashion Fair in your local Sephora. You can also shop Fashion Fair online. I also want to tell, I know I have a lot of listeners that are not women of color. You can shop Fashion Fair as well. The lipsticks, the pigment in the lipsticks, chef's kiss, so good. Like if you love a good nourishing lipstick, I promise you, you will find a great lipstick at Fashion Fair. I love how non-drying the formula is because it has that sunflower seed extract in it. Now, Desiree and I get into the formulations in this episode, so you'll hear all about it. But I also just want to share one other favorite before we get into the conversation. I love the Skin Flex Stick Foundation. It comes in 16 different shades, and it's really easy to blend. And it's like this creamy stick formula. And I just find sometimes when I'm on the go, I just want like a little stick that I can throw into my purse. And this is really, really good. There's also a really good loose powder. Like I was doing powder in just like a translucent, like I'm sure you guys all know the translucent setting powder. They have a whole shade of powders that are really good just for like getting your makeup to set. And then I said I was going to talk about just one more thing, but I have one more to add. The cream to powder skin foundation, it's $37, which I think is a really great price point. It comes in 14 different shades, but it's like this silky cream, but you put it on and then you brush it on. It's like a medium coverage, I would say, but it helps a lot with like oil control and it provides a really lasting color. So for people that maybe your skin is on the oily side, but you still want that coverage, definitely check out the cream to powder skin foundation. And I did ask my friends at Fashion Fair for a little discount code for the Naked Beauty audience. So if you use Brooke15 at fashionfair.com, you can get 15% off anything on the website. That's code Brooke15. Enough about the products, enough about my whole spiel. I'm very excited for you all to hear this episode because again, I think it's so important that we recognize the history of these brands, but it's not just history, right? This is current day. This is like history in real time. Like Fashion Fair Cosmetics is back. It's relaunched. We can all shop it. And hearing from such an accomplished and inspiring and also just like funny and down to earth and very just real businesswoman like Desiree was such a pleasure. I also get career advice from her, fashion advice. There are a lot of gems in this episode. So I know you guys are going to love it. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Desiree Rogers of Fashion Fair Cosmetics. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, 
eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I'm super excited because I am joined by Desiree Rogers, who is in town for a bunch of really exciting events for Fashion Fair, graduate of Wellesley College and Harvard Business School prior to co-ownership of Black Opal and Fashion Fair. Her current role is CEO. Jezrae has over 25 years experience building brands in a variety of industries. You had a whole kind of corporate career before you took on ownership of these brands. In 2008, Jezrae became the first social secretary for President Obama. In her role, Jezrae was able to turn the president's vision of the People's House into a reality, creating a fresh view of how the White House represented American culture, which I have to say, like those were the year. I feel like I got to do a tour of the Obama White House right before he left. And I'm like, I'm happy that I did it at this time because it feels very special. Have you been back to the White House since? I have. I was recently in Washington with a, we have a group, the social secretaries, Okay, believe it or not, from all of the administrations. So it's kind of fun to to visit. But it must feel different now, right? Oh, it's completely different. Completely different, completely different. Completely. <laughs> but of course, Biden was there when we were there. Yeah. Vice president. Oh, true. So, you know, Biden, Biden's a pal. I skipped those other few years. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. We don't we don't speak of those years. In 2010, Desiree became CEO of Johnson Publishing Company, overseeing Fashion Fair Cosmetics, Jet and Ebony magazines. She remained in this role until 2017 and bringing us all the way to the present now, 2022. We've just entered June and Fashion Fair is here. It launched in Sephora, what, last October? People were super excited about it. And then, of course, you are one of the co-stars of the Beauty of Blackness documentary, which is just documenting the rise of bringing this iconic brand of fashion fair back. So super excited to have you here on Naked Beauty. Thank you, Brooke. I can't wait to talk with you and share and be honest and give it up. I'm excited to get into all of it. Talk to me about your relationship with beauty growing up. I know that you watched your mom get ready, but because of her work, she didn't often have an opportunity to get dressed up. Talk to me about that. So mostly I think I watched my grandmother get ready for church on Sunday. So I am a Southerner. I am from New Orleans and my mother really was more tomboyish. And my grandmother was really the one that was like always glamorous. The gloves, the hat, the shoes, the dress. You know, except for those days, uh, those Sundays when she was an usher at her church. And so it was always so much fun watching her put out all of her makeup, of which I'm sure many of the pieces were drugstore combined with eventually fashion fair. And just to see the, the transformation and see the glee in her husband's voice and eyes when he saw her come out and ready for church. Okay, Marie, let's go. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, growing up in New Orleans, were you into beauty growing up? You know what? I think I was into appearance. 
And so I think I was more so into, my mother said at, you know, less than two, I said, that's, that's it. I'm going to dress myself now. I got this. (laughs) And so I think I was more into, this is the way I want to look. I mean, I went to Catholic girls schools and so there's a uniform, but I always did like things like painted my nails five different colors to match the plaid in the uniform. (laughs) I love that. I had something. I wanted something that, you know, wore crazy blue shoes or there was always like one little something that I tried to like hip up my uniform. I had my big afro, you know, I had, you know, big earrings, you know, all this kind of stuff. To give it your personal flair. Yeah. You have landed on many best dress lists throughout your career and you always look so put together. And I'm always curious for people that look so put together, like not a hair out of place, the outfits always on point, the shoes, the bag. Do you lay out your clothes before? Is your closet? Girl, are you kidding me? No. You know, here's what I would say. My closet is organized by color. Ah, okay. So the other thing is the older I get, the more fearless I am. What does that mean? Whatever I throw together, I'm going to make it work. Okay. And so people might say, oh my gosh, why does she have on that with that and green shoes? And I'll say, why not? Right. (laughs) And so I think I've come into my own in terms of color matching and just throwing things together that wouldn't normally be together and owning it. And so my clue to anyone is just whatever it is, own it. My mother was like, if you're pulling and tugging when you leave the house, you shouldn't wear that. That's If you're uncomfortable with your, you should not wear that. So whatever you leave the house in, just own it. It is what it is. So no, I'm not super organized in terms of my wardrobe or anything like that. I would say that most of the things I have in my wardrobe, I like. That's the other thing. Weed out those things you don't like. Because they just get you like, you're like, I don't like this. Why is this here? Get rid of it. Yeah. Move on. Move it on. If you look at what I have on today, it's a very much a mishmash of things. Some newer than others. You know, these shoes have probably had 10 years. And they look great. I don't wear them that much. They're green. (laughs) (laughs) Now, early on, did you experiment with makeup? So I know all girls Catholic school, maybe you weren't even allowed to wear makeup at school. Not allowed. Here's the one thing I, I will say is that very early on, somehow, I don't know how, I knew that makeup could provide protection to the skin, especially in that heat. And so the one thing I did that most of my friends colleagues didn't do is I always wore foundation. Like almost as a sunscreen? Yes. Like at 14, I had on, you know, honey glow. Wow. My little bottle of fashion for a honey glow. And my mother's like, you look ridiculous. I said, whatever. My brother, you look ridiculous because I probably, I had the line, you know, was not right. blended. I wasn't like a blender or whatever, you know, right. but, but I do believe it protected my skin. Now, did you have to struggle with the like complexion mixing? I mean, so much of what fashion fair has meant for so long is you have that super extended shade range before it became popular with, you know, Fenty Beauty, like did you struggle to find your shade ever? Did you ever have to like mix and match and do all of that personally? Are we talking early on? I mean, Honey Glow was really my shade. Okay. You, know? you had the exact I, match. I, well, I don't know if it was exact, but it was exact enough. I'm still surprised in that so many people have to struggle with mixing something or, you know, trying to find their color. And so I think that Fashion Fair was a lead and is a lead in color. You know, if you say, what does Fashion Fair do well? What has it done well? color. And so it's for women of color and women that love color. And so, you know, you say, oh, this is a makeup line that is, you know, the the helm of the, the origin of that really has to do 
with honoring fashion, beauty, and glamour of Black women. At the same time, you know, our lipsticks, our primers, our powders really go on any skin tone. You know, you can use them as a bronzer. And of course, you know, the lipsticks, they're true to color. And so if I always say, if we can paint on black, we can definitely paint on white. Yeah. So think of like a black sheet of paper. If that red comes through on that, it certainly comes through on white. Yes. And that super, super pigmented color that is in the lipsticks, what makes the formulation different? Like what about the Fashion Fair lipstick Mm -hmm. makes it different from all of the other lipsticks on the market? Here's what I would say. I would say, you know, as we looked at lipstick, which was always a great seller for Fashion Fair and people have their favorite shades. Yes. You know, it's like, do not get rid of Ole Orange. Do not get rid of, you know, Chocolate Raspberry, which is the number one seller. And you say, well, why is it the number one seller? When you look at that color, it's like this magenta with just like a little touch of silver dust. And it just looks good on any skin tone. And so we said, how do we take those colors? We can't lose that pigment, but how do we make it more modern? How do we use today's ingredients? And so we wanted to make certain that it was hydrating, that it didn't dry the lip, that it stayed on, that you didn't feel it. You know, sometimes you feel the lipstick on your mouth. The worst. You don't feel it. At all. And so there's sunflower seed oil in it, rosemary leaf extract. And listen, I'm not a chemist, but we worked with the finest chemist out there. And we also had a black dermatologist with us every step of the way. So she was keeping us honest. You can't put fragrance in it. The old formula had fragrance. And people like, what happened to the cherry fragrance? You know, she says, no, because really many African-Americans or darker complexions have sensitivities to fragrance. And so none of the products have fragrance and they're all vegan. And I think that it took us a long time to get that kind of pigment, vegan and the property. So everything works double time. So it's not only beautiful, but it hydrates the lip. You know, it keeps it plump and moist and your lips don't stick together and they're not drying. So every one of the formulas have this dual purpose working with the chemists and the dermatologists at the same time and keeping the history, that pigment. So we couldn't come out with something that didn't have the pigment, even though it may have had those properties, right? We had to do both. So it was a constant balancing back and forth. And of course, no one has the history we have. We've been at this for 49 years. Very, very long history. And it's interesting also, right, when people talk about like, oh, there's this new conversation about inclusivity. Of course, Fashion Star and Black Opal have been around for a long time. Something that I think is so interesting to talk about is we talk about inclusion and shade range and models and media campaigns. But when you think about the behind the scenes, like the owners and CEOs, very few of these companies are owned by Black women. If you really dig into it, it's less than 0.0%. Wow. In terms of Black owners and Black founders. We are such a small sliver of the marketplace, you know, today. And you really sometimes you have to dig because there's all these perceptions that, oh, that's black owner. This is. But and really, when you dig a little, really aren't. And so I think that for Cheryl and I, it's really important that not only do we sit at the table with the chemists and the dermatologists, who in many instances we ask, we want someone of color working with us. And in both our product development, as well as the dermatologist, they are people of color. 
And so they know what's going to work and what's not going to work. And they take that history of fashion fair. But we want to be not only on that side of the table, but on the business side of the table. And so as two business folks, you know, it's very rare, as you mentioned, that you would have two black females on the business side of the table. And so we are very purposeful in terms of making certain that not only are we hiring people that look like us and, and helping them create their own wealth for their families, but in addition to that, our business partnerships, legal, IT, wow. product development, public relations. I mean, all of these firms are black owned. And Absolutely. so we're helping them to build their wealth and their companies. If you sat our whole team around, they would look very different than what you would typically find. Even our the folks that are filming for us, they're minorities. Right. So this is a conscious decision that you make at every step. Every step we there. try to make certain that if we can get it done, and I would say 80% of the time we get it done. What are the areas as you've been kind of developing this revamped fashion fair you've, where you've been like, there aren't enough Black people in this sector, like supply chain? Like, where are the areas where you feel like there needs to be more diversity? Manufacturing, the chemist. Those are really two of the big ones. The other thing is senior leadership on the retail side. Right. Yep. Senior, very senior. Yes. yes. So there's always a sprinkling of people here and there. Yes. But senior leadership you know, the ability to really drive the business yes. on the retailer side. Yes. I think that we've made some inroads, maybe on some of the brand side, but, you know, the whole industry, I think if you look at it, there's really not a lot of diversity overall. There's a lot of women, a lot of women, yes. but I'm women beyond, let's take the next cut. You know, how many of those women are minority? Right. And as you go up the ranks, how quickly do we become eliminated? And then if we look at the boards, how quickly are we eliminated at the board level? You know what I'm saying? And that's really directionally who is leading our counseling, our strategizing with the CEO. And so you need that board level participation at these retailers and you need those voices because the work is different. We are not a conglomerate yet, you know, and so as we grow, what we need is different then maybe a more established company or maybe a company whose primary business is not the ethnic space or minority space. They call it minority for a reason, right? Right. <laughs> you know, you are a smaller segment, yeah. although we spend a lot of money. Oh, definitely. Black but women, But we definitely. are a smaller segment. And so the ability not only to get in store, but then to stay in store to grow in store, for someone to be your partner in walking you through, this is how this retailer works. This yeah. is how this retailer works. Many times we don't have those mentors. We don't have people that have done this before that can sit down and help us avoid potholes along the way. Yes. Now, speaking of being like having retail presence, one of the stories that's told in the documentary is early on. So there's the Ebony Fashion Fair, of course, which is bringing these incredible fashions from Europe to all of these cities across America. And I think was it 
who was it who said you should be in Bloomingdale's to Mr. and Mrs. Johnson? Oh, it's Audrey. Oh, right. Okay, so Audrey course. Smoltz, who was one of the, you know, original commentators yes. for the Ebony Fashion Fair show, which was a traveling fashion show, ultimately in its heyday, went to 150 cities, not only in the U.S., but in the Caribbean. And Eunice Johnson, who was the founder of Fashion Fair. The reason that she founded Fashion Fair is because she saw the models mixing were, makeup. Yeah, they were struggling. And so when you talk to a Pat Cleveland on Audrey Smaltz, you say, what do you mean you were mixing? She's like, honey, we had <laughs> nothing. We had, you know, a beige, you know, makeup and we called Miss Diane Carroll and we talked to Lena and we were really struggling, you know, and she was, Lena was very fair. She's like, you know, yeah. we were struggling. We were mixing, you know, eyebrows pencil. And when you say Lena, we should say Lena Horn yes, for Lena people, Horn. Yeah, people that don't know. Way. They were literally mixing yeah. foundations and putting things in there to make it darker. And Mrs. Johnson went around to try to get, you know, some of the big houses to create the makeup and everyone passed. And so she created it herself. herself. And I think having Ebony magazine as this vehicle to advertise right. the makeup was really powerful. The sales tool, right? She was able to put a capsule collection in the magazine and it took off. Yes. And I loved that part, though, about the power of walking into a Bloomingdale's not today, but back then and seeing someone who looked like you behind the counter with a beautiful assortment of products that could talk you through it and how rare that was. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, Audrey is just amazing. And she said, you know, in the documentary, she tells how we went in there and we got that (laughs) deal done. And I said to Mr. Johnson, you know, we're on our way, whatever. But it was unusual. And even, you know, in my lifetime over the years, still unusual. I mean, everything has changed because you're not shopping the same way. So you're not necessarily buying makeup in a department store behind the counter. Everything is no counters, right? So you can touch and feel. And so as a consumer, you're part of your shopping experience. Whereas before it was much more of, you felt like it was almost an interview. Everyone's behind a desk slash a counter looking at you, observing you, and they're in charge as opposed to you as a consumer being in charge. You really felt like you were on display. So to feel like you're on display and then not to see anyone on the other side of the table slash counter that looks like you or that could really identify with issues that you are facing with your skin, whether it be larger pores, hyperpigmentation, wanting to fade spots two tones on your face, many black women. We have a couple of tones on our face. The sun hits a certain, that darkens real quick and then lighter in, in certain areas. So all of those things, you know, it's like same with hair. How many times do you go in and you're like, have you done black hair before? Oh my Are gosh. Are you okay with black hair? You know, all those conversations. I mean, and it's, it's you know, anxiety. This is supposed to be fun. Yes. <laughs> this yeah. is supposed to be, you know, lighthearted. Totally. When I lived in London, it was the first time I went to a salon and like white people did my hair. And I was very nervous the first time, like every single step I was like, do you? and they were like, no, we're trained in this. We're trained in oh, all hair know types. How to do it. And I was grateful that they did actually know what they were doing. But I definitely had that reservation of like, do you know what you're doing? And I, th- I feel the same even today if I have a white makeup artist, like, mm-hmm. do you know what you're doing? Now, one of the things that you touched on in terms of complexion, a lot of women of color have different shades on their face, but we also have different undertones. Can you talk me a little bit through like the whole undertone conversation? Because there's like cool and there's warm, there's red undertones, 
You know, it's so funny that you mentioned this because yesterday or last night we had cocktails and hors d'oeuvres. We had about 60 women come and all of us come together. And we did a little, um, I said, let's do, you know, three helpful hints, you know, conversation about beauty and makeup. And so everyone quieted down and we had a conversation. And number two was all about undertones. And so one of the things with makeup that we find as we go into the plant, many times they'll say, even though many of these brands have 50 different shades or 60 different shades, you're the only ones using certain ingredients in your products. And I think one of the things that Fashion Fair brings to the table is just saying we are in terms of the foundation, we're going to be within this color range and we're going to do that really well. And so what does that mean from light beige to black? basically. And we're going to do all the pieces in between that, but we're not going to try to be more than that, at least with this brand. And so we're going to get that right. So if you put them all, line them up, you'd be like, what's really the difference? Well, the difference are the undertones, Got it. a neutral undertone, but you could be pretty close to almost the same color. So they just graduate very slowly, especially in that middle range they just, just, you know, a little more red and a little more yellow, a little, you know, neutral, neither of those undertones. And Sam Fine actually worked with us on all of the formulations. He really is a master at color and has done so many faces. And so along with he and our woman that worked with him on product development, who is also a woman of color, those guys, I believe, when you look at the line, really got it right. And we had 60 women. We probably matched 50 of them. Everyone was very satisfied with those color combinations. Wow. Now, what's your go-to complexion product? Like, what's like the product? Are you like more concealer, foundation? I love the primer. It's a primer serum. And I feel like if I'm going to wear makeup, I will wear that primer serum. If I'm not going to wear makeup, I will wear that primer serum. And then my lace, I love lace. That's the name of my, the lipstick that I, the color that I like, because I'm a more neutral. It's hard to get me in a red. But you know what? Even neutral for women of color is different, right? Like how many times have we seen like, oh, we have this range of nude lipsticks. Oh, and it's going to work for you, right? Well, we knew that. We did focus groups. And so you see that in the documentary. And we said, listen, we can't just go out there and say we're fashion fair by us. People will be like, really? You know, and we have these colors. And like, really? So what, Desiree? Why should I even think about this? You know, and so, yes, we've got the history story, which is amazing. And I think like all of us, black, white, whatever color you are, it's important that we continue to support our history. This is an American iconic brand that needs to stay well beyond my lifetime. It's just should. And so one of the things we knew is like in the 70s, there were all these in crazy colors, right? Purple and red and orange and, you know, all these, you know, I said, you know, we have to have nudes. And so we took the experience and our knowledge base of pigment and we said, you know what? We created five new nudes. And so I guarantee you, as a person of color, we've got your nude. Ooh, okay. You're not going to be able to go there and be like, they don't have my nude. And so there's ganache and there's koi. Do you need a lip liner for these? We do not have our lip liners yet. Well, because I do lipstick without lip liner. I have liner on today. Okay. A makeup. She was like insisted that I put on liner <laughs> with my lace. <laughs> 
I said, I want my lips to look a little bit. She's like, I got you. Let's put a little lip line. But, you know, every day I'm not doing all of that. But I think that if you look at those news, they're awesome. I mean, Kiki Lane is our spokesperson and she loves ganache. That's her color. I'm going to check these out. Check them out. Well, you have navigated so many different industries throughout your career. And I think that for a lot of people my age, there isn't this idea that like you do one thing, right? You switch. You have been switching industries for a long time. And I think not that people get bored with what they're doing, but I think oftentimes people want to challenge themselves or they feel like, you know, I've, I've been on this path for a long time, maybe in marketing and I want a new challenge. How have you been able to navigate your career and in switching industries so dramatically? I'm restless. I get bored very easily. You know, I have to like tap, tap myself. Desiree, stop it. It's going to be okay. You can get through that 15 minutes of this person. Anyway, my point is, I think that first I'm going to start negative and then I'm going to go to positive. So the negative is, you know, when you do switch and move around, people say, what are you good at? And so I had to take a step back. My brother even said to me, what do you bring to the table? And I took a step back and I said, well, what am I really good at? And what do I bring to the table? And if you look at my career, you know, who am I from a career perspective? And I looked at myself really hard and I said, what have I done across all of these industries? And what I did and have done and am doing, I like mature brands and I like mature brands and I like bringing them back to life. I was just going to say, if I could guess, I would say that you are a transformer. Right. And so just bringing them back to life, whether that be my work in the gas industry or my work in the lottery, my work at the White House, my work with these two brands, my work at Johnson Publishing. How do we take something that inherently has everything reason for success, but it gets stale. It's just like a person. You have to constantly reinvent yourself to some degree, even keep yourself entertained, right? (laughs) You know, I'm so sick about talking about that same thing, you know? And so that became kind of how I sold myself to the next position, right? I love, I think this is such a teachable moment because you were able to find this connective thread and like connective tissue between all of these roles. So when people are in interviews and they say, you've done this, this and this. But that was my point is like, just don't let them get you twisted. You know, where you're like my brother, well, what do you bring to the table? I was like, (laughs) well, what do I bring to this table? And so I figured it out. I figured it out. No one figured it out for me. I had to figure it out for myself and weave it into my own personal story. And Rahm, who was the mayor of Chicago, he knew that, which is why he asked me to be to chair tourism for the city. You know, again, how do you refresh a city like Chicago and sell it to visitors? So it's the same work, but different coloring book. I was a kid that had to have 10 coloring books and they probably never finished any of them. But I'm not going (laughs) to just color that same thing over and over again. That's not how my mind works. You know, people that work with me know this. I'll give them kind of the like starting point. I'll come back in if I have to, but I'm like, okay, we got that, right? What's the next thing? And so always trying to be true to what we say we're going to do. So if we talk about fashion, what is it we're going to do? We are going to create inspiration in a brand that was so inspired by Black women. We're going to shine a light on that. We're going to make certain that Black women get wealthy from this, not Cheryl and I other Black women, all these partnerships, we're going to invest in our community. We're going to have people be proud that, look at this. 
here is, you know, something from our community. It's been around for how long? And we're going to take that to that next level. So 50 years from now, who knows what? Well, so let's not dream small. Let's dream big and let's cherish what has been put there before us and not keep saying something's older. If it lasted that long, it must have been pretty good. That's what I always say. My grandmother looked great. She must have known something. Yes. And to your point about reviving legacy brands, what percentage of fashion fair customers would you say today are the original fashion fair audience and people that are just now being introduced to fashion fair? I don't know exactly because a funny thing is going on. Believe it or not, there are people that still don't know we're back. So that's one thing. They were not necessarily are not necessarily Sephora shoppers. How long were you gone? Almost three years. Three years. Okay. And so they don't necessarily know that we're back and they're not necessarily Sephora shoppers. The majority of their shoppers don't look like the two of us. And so this is the transformation. This is, you know, hey, let's get into Sephora and check it out. Oh, what is this? And so it's always interesting. I was in New Orleans doing an event and I, um, you know, had young women coming up and they were like, what is this? And I was explaining to them. And so I think they'll try it. Let's try it. Let's see. And if it doesn't cut the mustard, they're not going to buy it regardless of the history. I mean, you have to have both. You have to have both. You have to lead with the product. And then, wow, by the way, oh my goodness, you know, by the way, you get home and your mom's like, what is that? (laughs) Well, let me see that, you know? So I think that it's just a combination. We have an amazing opportunity to be able to thread that history And at the same time, take all that experience. Let's not forget there's experience baked in that. I have a whole list of products that were successful for 49 years. So I get to choose what's going to be next. And so with the lipsticks, we chose 14 colors. We added the nudes. We made the formulas very healthy and vegan and all of this. Same as I'm looking at blushes, I'm saying, I know what the top sellers were. I have no reason to believe that what were the top sellers are not going to in in the future when we launch them in the fall be the top sellers. But what we're doing is we took those powders and we coupled them with creams. And so you're going to get in one pack both that work. You'll have the powder, you have the cream or you can mix them together. Love it. And so, you know, in the innovation, taking the history of what has been proven and then taking to that next level, that next level of excellence. Now you have gorgeous skin, gorgeous hair. What are your favorite beauty products outside of cosmetics? Well, let's see. Let me think. Are you a bath person? I, for some reason, I feel like you would take a very like... I am a bath person. How do you know I don't that? Know. You just give me People that vibe. Like, it's like saying, Desiree, what is taking? Where are you? <laughs> I'm luxuriating. That's where I learn. That's where I think, you know, there's all this work that has gone on about the mind and slowing it down and really being able to listen to your mind and hear yourself talking to yourself, you know, because we're all like, go, 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 go. So I love a bath, but I'm simple. You wouldn't believe I use just some bath salts, not anything expensive. I mean, just like from the grocery store. Some Epsom salt. Exactly. I like the lavender though. So I think maybe (laughs) a little, but you know what I'm saying? I love that. You know, I love different soaps, not on my face though. I use a black opal. Okay. Blemish control soap on my face and exfoliating. 
They're all natural, but I love beautiful soaps, you know, not too scented, but really hydrating, that kind of thing. But I don't have a lot of beauty products. I mean, believe it or not, you know, the lotion I use is like a, I think the best lotion out there going to die is the Costco lotion. Costco lotion. Okay. What makes it so good? I don't know, but you have to try it. It's the Kirkland brand. The Kirkland My brand. facialist told me about it. She mixes it with glycerin. You know, it's so interesting. Diaper wipes wise, the Kirkland brand diaper wipes out of all of the diaper wipes I've tried for my son are the best. I'm telling you, you will love this <laughs> lotion. You heard it here first. Mix a little glycerin in. It's in the big white bottle. It goes on black skin so easily. You're not rubbing and rubbing and rubbing. I mean, I'm a pretty simple person in terms of beauty rituals other than my, I do like the bath thing. I must admit, I like being in a bath, you know, enjoying that. I do love massages. Like a nice full body. Yes. Every week. Every week scheduled. Absolutely. Okay. This is inspiring. This is aspirational. And I would also say manicure and pedicure every week. Mani-pedi every week. Do you do gel, regular polish? Just regular polish. Okay. Every week. And do you do just like a nude? Usually. I love that. Not on my toes, though. They're yellow today. You know what, though? It's so great to have that scheduled and to know it's coming. One of the things I've been talking about a lot on this podcast is the importance of rest and the importance specifically for Black women to take time to rest and not feeling guilty about not being so productive all the time. And there's always a to-do list, right? And you never finish what's on your to-do list. That's the trick. Yes. You need to know, as my mother says, as long as you're alive, you will never finish. If you just can internalize that and live with that, you're going to be okay. I mean, I wake up in the middle of the night like crazy person. And I'm like, <laughs> my head, my mind will just be nuts. I'm like, what are you worrying about? And it's not even a real thing. That's when I know I'm like speeding along too fast. It's not even something that I really have to do. But it wakes you up. Yeah, it wakes me. I'm like, it's something orange. I'm saying, you need to do the paint this orange. I'm like, what am I painting on? <laughs> And I'm like, this is not Desiree. What is it that has to be orange? But what I'm hearing from you is that because I think you're type A and you're ambitious, you schedule in time for yourself the same way you would schedule a meeting, right? So you know you have that massage book. You know you have that mani-pedi book. You know you're going to be taking an hour-long bath. Well, you know what? I'm not a scheduler. Okay. But the people that are helping me... <laughs> people schedule know, it for they you. They know I'm coming. <laughs> I didn't call you, but I'm coming. Right. I mean, not the massage. The massage guy, he's like used to me now. He always checks. Are we still... Da, da, da? You know, and so... I just, no matter what, even though I'm like, I try to keep that appointment with him because it does, it's that mind rest again. I don't like to be scheduled. It's really, it's the sickness, right? I'm like, don't schedule me. Interesting. You know, even though I know I have to. I wonder if that's scheduled. a Gemini thing. I feel like my mom doesn't love scheduling too far in advance. It's just like, it takes all the joy and fun <laughs> out of things. Where's the spontaneity? Where's the, you know, people want to have a dinner like five months. I'm like, what? I don't know. I don't, I'm not scheduling my private life like that. That's not going to, can, can we just play by ear? I get it. You know, maybe not have everything. I mean, for work, you have to have a schedule. And, you know, the manicure, they call me. They're like, we don't see you on the books. Are you coming on Saturday or Friday? Or? They've been trained. Now, New Orleans has a very specific culture. I went to kindergarten and first grade in New Orleans. I went to a school called Louise McGee. I don't know if you know, it's an all-girls school. I know McGee. Yeah, okay. I went to Sacred Heart. 
Didn't you have some red stripe in your? Yes. Like it was like a red and white. Yeah, red. Yes, yes. Yes. So New Orleans is very unique culture, right? I feel like it's, there's no place in America really like New Orleans. And New Orleans kind of has its own type of time, right? Like you don't over plan there. See? <laughs> what do you think makes New Orleans culture unique? Well, I think there is a pride that's beyond anything I've seen repeated elsewhere. You do not talk about New Orleans. <laughs> it's just like the and and this is the way we do it. Yes. And so there's not this looking to the side, looking to the side to see, well, New York or Chicago or Los Who? What? <laughs> Where? Right. Why? Right. You know, so there's this kind of this is the way we do it and it's the best. You know, my brother is a longtime New Orleanian, you know, and for years I was saying, You come and travel. Don't you want to see why? For what? This is the best place on earth. Why would I? Now he's doing it. But I'm just, it's just this pride and this culture in a sense that tradition, history, this is the way you do the gumbo. This is the way you greet someone. This is the way we are on Friday nights. The door is open. You know, I remember going to college and someone, you know, just thinking like, Wait, you have to call your mom to see if I can come to dinner? What? <laughs> it's yeah. not an open invitation. The door is always open. Bring as many as you can. You know, even if there was like one pork chop, we can cut it in the fours. No one ever like thought it's acceptable to not have someone come over. What? We would crash weddings all the time. Weddings. If one friend's cousin was getting married, we all went. <laughs> That's the freedom of like kind of camaraderie and everyone's a cousin. That's how people are treated. People are treated all like, yeah, you're related to, they will make you be related to somebody. (laughs) And you're like, no, I'm not. I'm from New York. I don't, you know, I just got here. No, no, honey. I know you must be related to the people from uptown. That's her people uptown. Yeah. Come on in. Come on. I don't think there's a better accent in the world than like a New Orleans accent and the creativity. And I think about how, you know, people like Solange camped out in New Orleans for multiple years because there's just like that creative energy there. It's a very unique place. It's really cool. I have to say it. You know, I love going back. It's just very cool. My mother lives right in the city, but the bayou is right behind her house. You know, the food, the culture, the relaxation, the kind of like the ability to just kind of let things flow and let them be. And also just all the rituals and tradition. I think that's kind of one of the central themes of your work in your life, right? Like tradition and how do you honor those traditions and then build on those traditions? Exactly. And continue to learn. I would be the one that left. So I get to dip my toe back in from time to time. Yes. So when you were launching the brand, we saw from the documentary a lot of the things that were difficult. Supply chain issues, launching a brand during a pandemic. I mean, maybe one of the most difficult times to launch a brand. Now that Fashion Fair is here, it's in Sephora's, you can buy it online, you've launched on social. What are the challenges that you're facing today? I think one of them is this brand awareness. Not only people that maybe knew the brand before, but people that we want to introduce to the brand. And so making certain that we're telling the story in a way that's real to the brand. And that we are working with people that, you know, love it. If you don't love it, you know, it just, I mean, consumers are so savvy now. It's not pay for play. 
and nor should it be. That just cheapens the whole story and, and what this brand is about. And so I don't ever want us to be in a position where we're paying to play. Do you mean paying influencers? Yeah, paying someone that really doesn't care about it. Next week, they're going to be talking about this thing or the other thing. We know that we can't be the only brand in people's purse. But at least if someone is like representing us or working with us, we want them to like us and use us and really feel like, you know, this is something they want to be associated with. So I think that brand awareness, the ability to continue to launch newness. And because we still are in a pandemic a little bit and still people are still buying behavior still, you know, I'm not sure, you know, and it's hard with makeup. I mean, because you want to try it, you want to get your shade, you know, and that requires you to be somewhere to touch and feel, you know, and so that's tough when the majority of our business is face. And so that is another challenge. And I think also just training people to understand what we represent. How are we different than the other brands? Why are we different? You know, how do we think about how we make the products? Yes. And, you know, how do they stack up? I'm like, I'll give you a blind test. You know, I know all the brands out there. And I think that's really important to nail. I don't know if, did you see the news yesterday? Kim Kardashian's launching a skincare line. Did you see this news? I didn't. Yes. So it was announced in the New York Times. My audience had a lot of thoughts about it, but their main question was, how is this different from every other skincare line that's Mm -hmm. out there now? And then all of these celebrities have entered, of course, the skincare space because it's a lucrative space, but it doesn't feel authentic. The trick is, is really we're building on something that existed and making it better and also not cutting corners. We're not going to pretend that we have 50 shades because I can tell you there are compromises that happen, which I can pick certain cosmetics. I mean, last night there was a woman and I said to her, I I know her. I don't know her well. I said, your foundation is not right. (laughs) And I know what company you have on. How did she react to that? She was like, really? Now I'm like looking in the mirror like, is my foundation right? <laughs> well, I didn't do it myself. I said, I'm, I'm, and she was going somewhere after the event. And she said, I said, let us just do one cheek. And then you'll see that your natural glow should be shining through as opposed to some kind of coverage. Like a mask. Yes. And, and a coverage that oxidizes and turns a color that's not your color. And so there is a big company that when we put that product on our face because of the base ingredient that they are using, it shows up oxidized on darker skin. And you can almost spot it. It's like a gray greenish cast. And you can spot it a mile away. If you see it once, you'll start seeing it and you're like, ah, I see what she's talking about. Interesting. Can you explain what oxidation is for people? It's the air hitting and changing the formulation. Most things will oxidize to a certain, but we keep that in mind because we're making cosmetics for people of color. If I'm a very white person, you can put something on that's a little bit tanner and it's not like going to look offensive. You might say, wow, that's not quite your color. But on darker skin tones yeah. with an undertone, if you yeah. put like the wrong, it really shows up as bad. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know what I mean? Because we got a lot of things. Everyone has a lot of things going on. But I think if you just think about, you know, if you get yellow marker on a white dress, It's a yellow marker on a black dress. It's like the black changes that yellow. 
And so you have multiple things going on with undertones and the skin tone. We've said we were at another event. Many white women love the powders because we've got some really light powders that gives with undertone. It just gives a little oomph to a lighter skin tone. So really loved our loose powders and our pressed powders, Asian and white women. Interesting. Now, what innovations are you excited about in the space, whether that's ingredients or packaging or like, or even marketing? Are you thinking about the metaverse? Are you thinking about different ways to reach your customer? Sustainable packaging, I think, is the way to go. Of course, in prestige, everyone wants the box and the experience and this. So I think, you know, in the black opal brand, it's a little bit easier. You know, we're coming out of boxes. On the other is a little bit more difficult, I would say. I think innovation for us is really taking all of these old formulas and redoing them and updating them. And then thinking about things like, like I said, adding things together. It sounds like nothing, but it's kind of fun, you know, because you have that historic brand. We're going to keep the same names and then we're going to add something else to that. So that's kind of fun, really taking what was really popular skincare, I think. There's a lot of opportunity in skincare that is focused on darker skin tones because the issues are different. When you look out there, there's not that many companies that are focused on, I would say, darker skin tones on the skincare side that are working with a dermatologist to specifically address those issues. Yeah. I want to create the Ebony Fashion Fair show on the metaverse and you can be the model or you can be in the audience or you can buy tickets and then, you know, Bitcoin, you know, sell them to others to have that front row that you grabbed first or whatever. And, you know, the designers and, you know, all kinds of things in that world. So I would love to create this fashion show that we all come to and we talk about all kinds of other things that are black owned in that universe. And so whether it be, I have to give a little pitch for aerial capital, whether it be like, what are your investments in your bag? You know, and so creating this world of black excellence in the metaverse will be really fun. I think a fun idea. That's a really great idea. That's a really great idea. And we that's, could, you know, have the show, but also have the, the virtual show. Yeah. And and that's kind of going back to the roots of the Ebony Fashion Fair was this idea of community, right? Bringing people together around this shared passion and interest. Right. And not having it be like so expensive, right? Right. So accessible, accessible to everyone yeah. to be able to, you know, have your little person, your little figure go down the the runway or not. Yes, I love or it. Not. Maybe you have your booth out in the, because they always had all these things going on. The show would go on, but then part of the show was the intermission. Cause you had to walk around so everyone could see your outfit and, you know, and you could, you know, do this and do that during the intermission. I love that idea. Now, you seem to be very flawless. Like you kind of always have your beauty look together. Have you made any big beauty mistakes in your life? Like looking back, like, I just shouldn't have been doing this. Probably straightening my hair. With my relaxer? My hair is pretty straight. Okay. Was I straightening? <laughs> with heat? Re- with relaxer. With relaxer. Okay. You know, my generation, everyone straightened their hair. It's like, what? You know, what? You just did it by default. And well, growing up in New Orleans, too, it's like, you know, the ability to keep your hair into any kind of anything was like <laughs> hopeless. Hopeless, yeah. you know. And so all of us... I mean, it was just a constant battle with the hair in that humidity and that heat, you know. And so I think that would be 
One, I don't think I ever shaved my eyebrows. Oh, yeah, like, that's a common thing I hear. People shave their eyebrows is another... Overplucking. Right, is a really kind of a, a bad thing. And I think this is a funny story, but not that funny. I remember I thought I could do home wax, Oof, you know, okay. on my leg. The strips? And, yeah, it was like a you know, wax or something. Oh, gosh, you know, like, yeah. So I bought that, I remember... I tried to pull like a little bit of it off and I was like, oh no, that's not going to work. And I was just wearing long pants. And I saw my father said, what is that on your leg? He goes, oh no, it was days. <laughs> He's like, we have got to get that off of your leg right now. I'm sorry, Desiree, but you cannot have wax on your leg like that. It's, I couldn't get it off. Oh my gosh. I cried and cried and he just ripped it. I was like, I'm like, I will not try that again. You know, some home remedy. A home remedy. You know, I could yeah. do it. No, you couldn't. I couldn't yeah. do it. <laughs> I thought I could, but I couldn't. I think many people have those DIY disasters. It, it made me think of, I'm sure you saw the Gorilla Glue girl. Her hair was fixed and she overcame it. Before we wrap up, I'd love to hear from you. What do you want people to understand about the way that Fashion Fair and Black Opal is marketing to people of color? I shouldn't just say women of color, but to people of color. And what do you think the rest of the industry can learn from your approach of really serving your audience? Sure. So I think the first thing would be is really starting with products that work. They have to work and they have to do more than make you look good. And so how do we ensure that we have the finest quality ingredients? And that's not always done in some of the brands that are focused on people of color, unfortunately. As Black women, as a partner to another Black woman, we're never going to sell anything that we don't wear ourselves, that we haven't tried. I may not be wearing blue eyeshadow, but I tried it. So we're never, ever going to sell something that we can't stand behind in terms of its quality and its ability to do what we say it's going to do. So that is a big piece of this. And we do this out of, you know, I, th- I really think that makeup, whether if it's just a lip gloss or a lip oil or a soap, it gives, I feel like, added confidence. The added confidence that so many times we take for granted. Oh, I'm confident. Are you? You know, it's an important characteristic for young boys and girls Mm -hmm. and women. And so many times we just don't have the confidence we should have. And there's a variety of reasons that we know some of them. But, you know, we got to keep working on that confidence building because the more confident you are, the more you're willing to take chances with yourself, with yourself. And what does that mean? That means I understand me and I'm going to do me. And so. You have that little voice saying, don't do it, don't do it. You need that voice saying, go for it. Yes, that's you. That's that's, Let's go. Let's take this ride. Let's get on this roller coaster. We're not always going to be perfect, but let's be us. We want women to be confident. And so that's a big piece of this. We happen to sell makeup, but we also are very focused on how do we create wealth in our community? You know, so how all of this expenditure How do we get that money cycled back through so that we're creating jobs? We are creating opportunities. We are educating and working with people that are coming through our doors with our history of Cheryl and I've been in business a long time. And so we need to impart that those learnings to younger people so they can move the business along. And then we just recently launched the Fashion Fair Spellman Scholarship. And so continuing, you know, just looking for excellence, 
in our community and especially among minority women? How do we create that? And how are we supportive of all of the black owners and founders in the beauty business? So that's another big piece of the work we want to do is make certain that we're creating a safe place for us to talk about not only the successes that get amplified, but some of the things that maybe are a little bit more difficult. Some of the failures, I've certainly had my share of challenges, some public. That's okay. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have tumbles. We want to come forward when you got that tumble, not when everyone's cheering. That's easy, right? It's easy to be at the party then. How easy is it to sit in a room when someone's having a hard time and have a conversation with them? Extend a hand. And so I just think it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next five to 10 years in this space. And I'm hoping that there'll be many more Desirees and Cheryls that are owning businesses and that are really a part of decision-making in the industry and not just consumers. Yes, absolutely. Beautifully said. We've arrived at my final question. I ask all of my guests this question and it is, when do you feel most beautiful? In my bathtub, probably. In my bathtub. Because your mind is floating in the water. The big splurge I have is I have an old English tub. Ooh, nice. With the feet. It's big. Very glamorous. The yeah. fact that I just knew you were a bathtub person. No, I don't know how you knew that, but <laughs> it's just, true. You give off the vibe. It's, it's a compliment. It's no, a compliment. It, it's, I love it. I love it. I love my bathtub. I mean, people laugh and, you know, laugh at me, but I'm like, does that hotel room have a bathtub? Critical questions. Critical questions. Well, thank you so much for coming and for thank introducing you. the Naked Beauty audience to just the mission and the work that you're doing. It's so, so important. And I'm just excited to see what's next for you and Fashion Fair and Black Opal. And thank you so much. Yes. Well, thank you. We look forward to having you in some of our products. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right. So that was my conversation with Desiree Rogers of Fashion Fair Cosmetics. I hope you all found it as inspiring as I did. Again, I am just very proud to be able to bring you all this conversation because Fashion Fair is all about continuing to motivate and support this next generation of minority entrepreneurs and building this network of trailblazers and tastemakers and I'm just excited. I'm excited to see what's next for Fashion Fair. I'm excited to hear how you all feel about this episode and anything I can do to help to support Black-owned beauty. I am just proud and grateful that I even have a platform to do it. So 
Thank you all so much. I will be back next week with a new episode. I'm talking to my good friend, Hannah Bronfman next week. So that should be a really fun episode. All right. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.